So we have rumors of wars and the world is going crazy. We've got people panicking. We've got eclipses going on. We've got this natural disasters all across the United States and the rest of the world. Fires and floods and hurricanes and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And the world is crying out. Many are crying out. The rapture is imminent or, you know, God is coming back or it's the judgment of God. And, 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 and where is the clarity? What is going on? Today, I want to present to you an incredibly important teaching around the Festival of Trumpets. This is one of the seven feasts of God, one of the unfulfilled full feasts of the Father. And it is incredibly important for the body of Christ or those who profess that they follow Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to understand this festival as well as the rest of the unfulfilled festivals of God, because we have been taught in our Christian circles that the festivals are merely Jewish and not applicable to us. Yet we fail to understand that some of the festivals have not even been fulfilled yet. We fail to understand that there is a prophetic, they have been given to us as a prophetic picture of the future, a, 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 a way for the Father to communicate to our generation or a remote generation, a lost generation, whatever you want to call them, about the, and it's a prophetic picture of the events to come, how he will be coming. For a lot of us have been taught that he will come as a thief in the night and no one will know. I want to submit to you that we've only been taught half the picture. So I encourage you to stick through this teaching and let's learn about the Festival of Trumpets. For the same reason that we have over 33,000 denominations today is the same reason that we have misunderstood and been disconnected from the festivals of the Father. We've, been start, we've started to change definitions. And when we start changing the definitions of words into things other than that the word itself describes and gives to, gives to us, gives us we, we start to creating our own theology and doctrine. Now, today we're going to start in Genesis and we're going to start getting the definitions that the Father gives us around these things. Genesis 1 verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And so it's very important to understand that the word given for seasons is Moedim. We have all been taught growing up that the seasons that God makes in creation is, is summer and fall and winter and all these things. But we fail to understand that that's not, that's not at all what that word means. The word for seasons, Moedim in the Hebrew, actually means appointed times, festivals, gatherings, celebrations. And so the father says that he's giving us lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And he says that it's for determining signs and appointed times festivals is what he says. We need to start applying that to the rest of the word. In Leviticus 23 verse 4, we see these are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their Moedim, in their seasons. In, their, in the way that the, the signs in the sky, the, the lights in the firmament, the stars and the, the other bodies just determined to us. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows his going down. So we already see now that there is a clear pattern in that God is connecting what is in the heavens to, to, to show us what is happening on earth. And he's giving it to show us more specifically when his appointed times, festivals, celebrations, etc. happen. 
And this is important. It's important to note that this has been given in creation before the instructions or the what we call the scriptures today has been even been given. So in other words, God has been giving us those things in the heavens as light, as signs, as seasons before anything else was created. Now, brothers, as the times and the seasons, you do not need to be written to. For you yourself know that very well that the day of Yahweh comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pays upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. So first we read that the father says that as for times and seasons, you don't need to be written to this. In Thessalonians, he's saying you don't even need to be written to it. Why? Because they have been under, they have already had an understanding around the seasons. They already had an understanding of the seasons, the appointed times of God. And he says, I don't need to write to you. You guys already know about this. And then he goes on and he says, we know that the, the, you know very well that the father will come as a thief in the night. And that is where we close our Bibles. We leave the pulpit and we sing Kumbaya. But we, we, we don't read further. And we, we think that, oh, God, look, look, no one can determine even the season of when he's going to come back or anything of when he's going to come back. Because here he says it's as a thief in the night. And we don't read further. But when we read further, there's a shocking discovery to be made. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then we should not sleep as others do. But we should watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. So he's saying that, yes, there is going to be, it is going to be as a thief in the night, but only to those who are in darkness. So if you say that the Lord is going to overtake you as a thief in the night, you are in that same breath proclaiming that you are living in darkness. The Father says that we who are in the light will not be overtaken by this day, but we will understand its season. We will understand the appointed time of it. How will we do this? I would like to quickly give you a summary of the festivals of the Father. We have two sections. We have the spring and the fall festivals of God. The spring feasts have all been fulfilled by the coming of our Messiah. And the fall feasts are to be fulfilled by His second coming, His second appearance. So we have the festival of pa Passover or Pesach, which we all know is when Yeshua or Jesus was sacrificed as our Passover lamb. Right. He was the fulfillment of the festival. When that festival was instructed in Leviticus, it was pointing to him and he came to fulfill it. And the festival teaches us about Yeshua. That festival is followed by the festival of unleavened bread, where Jerusalem was ridding their houses of sin. Reading their houses of the leaven in their houses. And in that same, at that same point, that was the exact day, same time that Yeshua Jesus was actually put in the grave. We then see that he is raised on the festival of first fruits. And we also see then the Holy Spirit is poured out on the festival of Shavuot, also known as the festival of Pentecost. And so on the exact days, these things were fulfilled. The Holy Spirit was poured out on this Jewish festival, Jewish festival of, 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 of Pentecost. We need to already start understanding that these festivals aren't Jewish in nature. Yes, the, so the Jewish people are keeping them. But the father says, these are my feasts, my feasts. He does not say these are Jewish feasts. He says, these are my feasts. And he fulfills them with his son, with Yeshua. Yeshua fulfills the father's feast to the very day.
And then now we are getting to these feasts are fulfilled, but we get to feasts which are not fulfilled. We have the Feast of Trumpets. The, festivals of, the Festival of Trumpets has been given by the Father, and we read about it both in the, in, in the front of our book in the Torah and the Old Testament, as well as in the back of our book in Revelation, where he says, The great coming, the day of the Lord, will become as a, blowing, a day of blowing of trumpets. And so we see that this is the day that the Messiah comes and returns. It will be a day of a gloomy day, a dark day, full of darkness, and there will be a blowing of trumpets. We then have the Day of Atonement, also known as Yom Kippur, or the, the, the wrath of God, or the Day of Judgment, where, where God's judgment will be poured out across the earth. And, and we will see that the sins of the world will be judged. We then also have, lastly, the Festival of Tabernacles, or also known as Sukkot, where in this festival points to the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. We see that this is where, where, where we will be dwelling, tabernacling with Messiah. We will be dwelling with him. It's the wedding feast that we all look forward to. And so we see that these three last three festivals are not fulfilled. They are to be fulfilled because obviously none of this has happened yet. And so I want to submit to you that we need to, when, when in Thessalonians we read, we need to be watched and be, be sober for the seasons. He's saying, watch and be sober for the appointed festivals I've written to you in the beginning. And so when we understand and observe these festivals and, and, and study them and, and, and look forward to them and watch on them, we will be prepared in the seasons. They will be teaching us about His coming, about everything that the bride needs to prepare and be ready. And these are wedding rehearsals for the bride. Wedding rehearsals, guys. This is important to understand that these things are not abolished. These things are not irrelevant to our lives. They are some of the, mo the most irrelevant things that we can understand and study and walk out and observe as the Father has laid it out to understand the, the second coming of our Messiah. And so these wedding rehearsals have been designed by the Father to prepare His bride to have be spotless and ready for the wedding day. I'd like to read to you the wedding parable of Jesus. A most incredibly misunderstood parable, which I believe you will understand when we look at it in its original context in a lot of the culture. And Yeshua responded and spoke to them again by parables and said, The reign of the heavens is like a man, a sovereign, who made a wedding feast for his son, and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Say to those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle are slaughtered and all is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they disregarded it and went their way. This one to his field, that one to his trade. And the rest, having seized his servants, insulted and killed them. But when the sovereign heard, he was wroth and sent out his soldiers, destroyed the murderers and set their city on fire. Then, the then he said to his servants, the wedding feast indeed is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the street corners and as, ma and as many as you find, invite to the wedding feast. And those servants went out to the street corners and gathered all whom they found, both wicked and good. And the wedding was, hall was filled with guests. And when the sovereign came to view the guest, he saw there a man who had not put on a wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the sovereign said to the servants, bind him, Hannaford, take him away and throw him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. So we see here that the Messiah here first says that he's, he's, in, he's inviting guests to the wedding, but they were busy with other worldly things. They were busy and unprepared. 
And so what about this wedding garment? What does this represent? We need to understand how the day of trumpets was observed for, for thousands of years in Israel. So the day of trumpets is observed by the sighting of the moon. This is the only festival that is determined by the first day of the seventh month. And we, and, and we know that the, Hebrew, the ancient or how God determines his calendar, since he's not on our calendar, he determines his calendar by the moon. And so when the moon indicates that it's the seventh month, we know that the festival of trumpets has begun because it's on the first day of the seventh month. And so this means that this festival, we cannot determine the exact hour or day. We cannot because the, the moon might be obstructed by clouds. It might be obstructed by bad weather. Not even science can really determine today when exactly the, the, the day of trumpets will begin. We can, we can make uh, uh, assumptions and, and all that, but we cannot determine the hour or the day. But we can determine the season in which the day of trumpets is determined. We can say it's going to happen within the next three days. It's going to happen within the next four days. We can make assumptions around that. But so with this, we can never determine the exact day or the hour. And this is exactly what Thessalonians is referring to when he says the coming of the, the Lord will be as a, uh, you will know the season because you live in, 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 in light. You, you live and you're, you, you're in this, you understand the season, you understand the Appointed times, appointed festival, you and so this day will not overtake us. It will not scare. It will not um, surprise us because we will be ready for it. We will be preparing for it. And so in Israel, how this was observed is people would be understanding. Okay, the day of trumpets is coming up. It's time to prepare, and they would start repenting. Would start getting rid of their sin because one one of these years, the day of trumpets is going to be a time where the Messiah actually comes comes back. In Revelation, we read that the day of trumpets, well, the, the coming of the Lord will be as a day of trumpets. And we will now understand, read that the day of trumpets is a day of physical blowing of the trumpets. So in Jerusalem, there would be witnesses who look for the moon, the sighting of the moon that would indicate the start of the day of trumpets. And so when the witnesses see it, they would run and they would go to the Sanhedrin or the, the, the temple and they would report there. They, the Sanhedrin would then proclaim to the rest of Israel by the blowing of trumpets. They will blow trumpets and then on a, there would be different places who are ready and listening for the trumpets. And when they heard the trumpets, they would blow their trumpets. And so it would spread all across Israel, all across the city of Jerusalem. And so in that moment that the trumpets have been blown, everyone would put down everything that they've been busy with and they would, they would, they would go and they would start the, the festival. And this is a time of celebration and gladness, but also a day of gloom. Celebration because it represents the resurrection and the, and, and the coming of Messiah, but a day of gloom because it means that the time is up. The time is up for the world to repent and for anyone to repent. And so this day is a day of a high Sabbath as, as instructed in Leviticus. So in other words, it's a day, a festival where there's no work to be done. And so what Israel would do is in the blowing of that trumpet, they would put down everything they do and they would go to celebrate the festival, as I said. And so this means that they would need to have prepared everything for that festival. All the food, everything needs to be prepared. They need clean garments. They need everything ready for that festival. And if their garments were dirty, I mean, you can't go to a party with dirty garments, much less to a wedding. 
much less to a wedding. And so physically they had to wash and prepare because there was work to prepare in those days. We didn't have washing machines. And they had to prepare their garments and clean their garments for that day. So that when that shofar blasts, they can get out of the field, take off all their dirty working garments and get ready for the feast. But if they were not ready for the feast, if they did not prepare for it, if they did not prepare for this high Sabbath of rest, where they are not allowed to work on anymore, then they would not be able to celebrate this festival. They would not be allowed into the gates of the festival. They would not be allowed in. They would not be allowed to participate. And this is a picture for us of, of cleaning our garments and making ourselves ready for the Father is coming back for a bride that is spotless and clean, who has been preparing her garment even days before the festival because she has been observing and knowing when the season is. she's been she's been at she's been at these wedding rehearsals she understands that her garment what garment she needs to wear she understands how she should dress what the custom is see guys the wedding rehearsal is about understanding the custom of our father and if we don't understand the custom of our father we're going to one day sit in that wedding on that wedding day and he's going to say who are you who are you what are you wearing Get out of here. This is not my custom. This is not. You can't take your pagan custom and bring it in here. Your pagan worldly things, the way that you thought that you can do it with, you can't, you bring your worldly things in here. I tell you, no way. Get out of here. And so today I want to submit to you in the same breath. Today we as Christians or believers, we bring all our pagan ideas and, and garments and, and things in here because we are not preparing. We are not being obedient to the festivals of the Father. We are not keeping them. And we so because we're not at the wedding rehearsal, we will never be ready for the, for the wedding. And today I want to submit to you. The Father is calling his bride and he's saying, you still have time. And I'm calling you now and say, become ready, become spotless for I am spotless, the Father says. And if you are not spotless, you are not part of my bride. The word prepare is pana in Hebrew. And it means to be, to be watch and be awake, to repent and turn away from. Turn, turn away from and turn to is what it means. So you turn away from the world, your things, your distractions, all the things that you want to do, even your work. On this day and you repent and you turn towards God you get yourself clean and spotless that's what it means so this is an incredible time of repentance because there's gonna be a blowing of a trumpet and when the blowing of a trumpet is it's gonna be something like never before the earth is gonna quake and and the people are gonna trample both believe and unbeliever and we are all gonna know that the time is up there's no more time to repent the father says that's his call to say it's up time is up this instruction speak to the children of Israel saying in the seventh new moon on the first day of the new moon you have a rest a remembrance of teruah or trumpets a set apart gathering you do know servile work and you shall bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh so he says that on this day this is the first day of the seventh month determined by the moons and so we we can observe this and so on that day 
You do no more work. You rest. This is a day of rest where you will set this day apart from the rest and you, you, will, you will honor this day because one of, on, on this day in the future, this day points to the day that my son is going to come back and the blowing of trumpets. And he also says that I want you to come and bring an offering. I want you to come. I have given my son to you the first time with the first fulfillment of the feast. I've given my son to you. He has died for your sins. And at this time, I, I desire for you to bring an offering, not for me, because God doesn't need an offering from us. He doesn't need anything from us. He has everything he needs. But this offering is for our own sake. It's for us to give something to the father. This is an act of obedience and sacrifice on our parts for our Messiah. And so I encourage you in this time to ask the father what to give, where to give it. And it can be anything and you can give it anywhere he, 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 he puts on your heart, whether it's giving to the poor, a ministry or anything. I encourage you to use this time to give to the father. Numbers 10 verse 10. And on that day and in the day of your gladness and your point and in your appointed times and at the beginning of your new moons, you shall blow the trumpets over your ascending offerings of your slaughter offerings and peace offerings. And they shall be a remembrance for you before your God. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. So we're going to now start understanding more and more the role of trumpets in this day. I came to be in the spirit on the day of Yahweh, on the day of Yahweh. And I heard him behind me a voice, a loud voice as a trumpet. So again, Revelation reading that on the great and terrible day of the Lord, it will be as a, it, there will be a blowing of a trumpet. So we need to now ask the question, what are trumpets used for in scripture? There are multiple things that trumpets are used for. And it's very important to understand this in light. To, of, of the festival. So the core theme of the trumpets, as I have mentioned, is to repent. Cry aloud, do not spare, lift up your voice like the shofar, declare to my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. So this is a cloud of a, a call of, of repentance. It's a call. When you hear that trumpet, it's a call that the father says, now you need to repent. The time is up. Repent for the time is at hand. Right. And so we also see the trumpets were blown when Moses went up to the mountain. We hear when when Mo, there's, a, there's, a, this, there's this 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 mountain, the children of Israel are, are below there at the, at the base of the mountain. Moses goes up. It's dark. It's, it's gloomy. There's 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 an earthquake. The earth is shattering. The, 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 the animals are giving birth. It's it's crazy. And the and the people, even Moses is struck with a fear that the of the father. A fear of, of the great God of Israel who shows up on that mountain. And on that mountain, there is a great blowing of the trumpet. There is a great indication that his presence have just ascended on the mountain. And right there, he gives the commandments of God at the first blowing of trumpets right there. We also see that there is a call for the congregation to war. So the trumpet represents a coming to war. And we know that this all happens right before the great war in the heavens. It's blown at the start of the Jubilee year. It's sounded at the coronation of kings in the same way. It will be sounded at the coronation of Yeshua as king when he comes. It's to, to, to regather the dispersed of Israel. And if you haven't watched my video on the scattered and regather, I encourage you to watch that where I speak about the regathering of Israel, where this trumpet sound, which the blowing of trumpets and the mere fact that people are starting to blow trumpets today represents and calls to and points to the regathering of Israel, the how God is restoring the identity of Israel to his people. We also see uh, the trumpet uses a warning of danger as the coming of the Messiah, as well as the announcement to announce the new moon and the feast as we have read. 
He heard the voice of the shofar, but he did not take warning. His blood is on himself, but he who takes warning shall deliver his being. Ezekiel 33 verse 5 talks about this. And he says that if you hear the shofar, if you hear the warning and you do not repent, your blood is on your own head. And today, brother and sister, I'm calling out to you and I'm saying, listen to this warning. This is the warning of the Father today. Because there's, there's a blowing of, we're in the time of the Festival of Trumpets. It's a pointed time shown to us by the, the, the lights in the sky. And now the Father is saying, listen, if you do not adhere to this, if you do not start listening or returning to me, stop regarding my instruction, my Lord and my Torah as a strange thing, then you will, this, you will, this blood will be on your own head. If you don't repent, from lawlessness, disobedience to the Father's instruction. For we know that, that the definition of sin is that it's the transgression of law, the law according to 1 John 3 verse 4. So if we, we need to start understanding what the law is so we can stop transgressing it, so we can stop sinning. So And that is what repentance is. Because there's no use in preaching repentance without under teaching what to repent from. And so the Father wrote His Torah on our hearts that inclines us and causes us to walk in, a, in obedience to His law but he also gave us that gave us his word so we can read it and understand it and assess ourselves in light of it so that we can get away from the doctrines of man that opposes what the spirit writes on our heart. Zephaniah sums all this up beautifully where he says, Near is the great day of Yahweh, near and hurrying greatly. The noise of the day of Yahweh, let the mighty man then bitterly, bitterly cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of distress and trouble, a day of waste and ruin, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of a shofar or a trumpet and sounding against the walled cities and against the corn towers. And I shall bring distress on men and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against Yahweh and their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of God. And by the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For he makes a sudden end of all those who dwell on the earth. And so, brother, sister, this day is coming. This day, and I believe, I, believe, I believe this day is not so far away. I don't believe He's coming right at this moment, but I believe that the season of His coming is approaching very quickly. And we need to really start repenting. We see already other signs in the skies where prophecies are coming true. And these are mere warnings from the Father where He is saying, Come, listen to this Come back to this. Come back to my instructions. And as Hosea said, that as he said in Hosea, I have given them my law, but they were regarded as a strange thing. A strange thing. And then today, that is what the, that prophecy is about. Today, when we look at believers and, 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 and Christianity and whatever, his instructions, we regard as a strange and foreign thing, not applicable to us. We regard it as bondage and abolished. Well, that is the very thing that Yeshua walked out. Yeshua walked out the instructions of the Father perfectly. And then he says, my bride, walk as I walk. I am spotless because I was in obedience to my Father's instructions. And I desire you and I instruct you and I require of you to be spotless as well for you will not come you will not be allowed to the wedding day unrehearsed if you are not rehearsed if you don't have the custom if you don't understand it you will not be welcome at this wedding 
And I'm crying out today. And I'm telling you today, get in the word, get with him alone and say, Father, I am sick of the traditions of men. I'm sick of what my pastors have been telling me where I don't need to pay attention to any of this. Father, I don't know what the truth is, but Father, give me the truth. And I'm telling you, brother, sister, that's what I did nine years ago. And when I did that, the father wrecked and changed my life. And he came, he threw out all the denominations and he showed me, my son, this is my truth. This is who I am. And I submit to you, brother, sister, don't be distressed. Go to the father and say, Lord, show me what the truth is. And I'm telling you that he will do it. If you humble your heart and come to him in repentance and say, I don't care what it means to know the truth, Lord. I don't care what the price is. I don't care, Lord. I'm giving my life to this thing, Lord. I want to know the fullness of your truth. If you do that, the Father will give it to you. I promise you, brother, sister. He says, if you knock on that door, I will surely open. If you knock with a true heart, I will surely open. And we use that as a scripture for unbelievers. And it it can be used for unbelievers. Don't get me wrong. But we need to use that scripture for ourselves. Because we need to start knocking again. We have become lukewarm and passive in our understanding of the word. We have regarded his word as a strange thing. His Torah and his instructions as a strange thing. And he now says, my bride, I desire you to start knocking. Start knocking. Because if you knock, I will surely open. And when I open, the revelations will pour through. And it will not be a revelation of man. It will be the revelation of my spirit. For my spirit is the only teacher you need. Is what he said. He said, my spirit will teach you all these things. Because my spirit was the one who wrote it on your heart in the first place. This is the new covenant I will make with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I will come and I will write my law on their hearts. And I will cause them, as he said in Ezekiel, to walk in my ways. I will cause them to follow all that is written in the Torah that is written on your heart. I will change your nature and you will start being obedient. And this is what is happening to you. And I'm calling you and I'm saying, listen to that voice for the father is calling you there. And so, brother and sister, I want to end this teaching off with explaining to you the wedding. I want to end this off with an ancient wedding. Because we need to understand that this the ancient wedding that of, of the ancient Hebrew wedding that Abraham and all of them partook in is as an instruct as a, as a custom by the Father, not an instruction, but something that we see that the Father has applied to his his bride and his wedding. And I want you to look and pay attention to this, and you'll see the marvelousness of this. So the first step of an ancient wedding is that the father chooses the bride for his son. And so we see this in where Abraham also in the story of Abraham, where he sent a servant who went to get a bride for Isaac. And he sent a servant to people um, who not a foreign people, but his own um, kind of people. And he sent um, him to go and find a wife for Isaac. And when the servant made the vow and he arrived at the well, he saw that he, he said, Lord, I don't know how to choose this wife. I don't know how to choose this, this bride for Isaac. Lord, help me. And he said, he asked the Lord to show him a sign. And he said, the, the sign that, the, the, that needs to be, that, the, that needs to happen is that the, the, the woman who comes and waters all his camels is, to, is the wife. And so we see that then Rebecca came and watered all his camels. A incredible feat because we need to understand that camels take liters and liters of water. And so it's a day's job to water a group of camels. And so this demonstrates 
demonstrated to the servant that this bride is someone who is, is a virtuous woman. And the same way the father is coming to for a bride and he's going to test for a bride that is virtuous and hardworking for the kingdom. Hardworking for the father. And so we see that after the father chooses the bride, there is a contract. There is a ketubah or a, a covenant, a wedding contract that is set up. And this is the contract that the father set up with us. And we read about this covenant in Jeremiah 31 verse 33. For this is the covenant I shall make with the house of Israel after those days, declares Yahweh God. I shall put my Torah or my law in their inward parts and write it on their hearts. And I shall be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 36. If these laws vanish from before me, declare declares Yahweh God, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. And so we see that this is the covenant he makes, the brand new covenant he makes with Israel. As I mentioned, the law is written on her heart and he says that this is you. You follow my Torah. You follow my law. The word law in Hebrew is Torah. And he says you follow all of it. And that is the instruction. If you are in a, a, a marriage relationship and you break the covenant, you break the contract, you break the marriage. You cannot be in a marriage with your husband and break the contract. You cannot do it. You cannot break the instructions. You need to be obedient for if you do, there will be a separation. There will be a divorce. And so the father, and that is exactly what has happened. And the father divorced Israel. But this was a huge issue because after the father divorced Israel, as we read in Jeremiah, then we see that there's there's a, the father's very word states that when a man divorces his wife because the, the wife has been whoring with others, that man cannot remarry that wife. So there's a huge issue there. But the father solved this issue because the, the, the law also states that as long as a man lives, the law has dominion over him. So because you can't be obedient to the law once you've died. So now after he, he the father saw that the only way for him to have his bride back is for him to die. It's the only way for him to release the, 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 his wife from the law of marriage. And so that's what the father exactly what he did. He came and he, he died for his bride. He came and he, 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 he died for her and he released her from the law of marriage because of his death. And then he was raised again in resurrection and he was a suitable bachelor ready for marriage. If you've never heard this before, I encourage you to watch my teaching on scattered and regathered where I it's a 50 minute teaching on on this so you can have a good understanding of what I'm saying. And so this is the mohar. This is the payment and the ancient wedding. There is a payment, a bride price that needs to occur. And so this was the bride's price that the father gave. This is the bride's price that he paid. He paid with his own life by coming in the flesh. Then we have a mikvah that happens where both partners have a mikvah. A mikvah is also what we know today as a baptism. And it's just kind of a spiritual cleansing. And so to, that is exactly what, the, what Yeshua also did is after he, after this payment was made, he, you know, there's this instruction of being baptized into him, a spiritual cleansing where we become a new creation in him. We die with him. We are buried with him in baptism and we're raised into new life with him as well. We become a new creator able to keep 
keep this new covenant that's been written on our heart. So after the baptism or spiritual cleansing, the, the husband actually leaves the, the bride actually, bridegroom actually leaves the bride and he goes to build a house for her. And in ancient times, this was really quite a common practice where houses were built or, or you know, they, a home was being, was went to go to prepare. He went to prepare a home for her. And so what he would also then do is he would give a, usually give a great gift for his bride as he left to, to leave for her. Because now, you know, the bride is like, my husband is leaving to prepare our home. And so obviously then the, the, the bridegroom leaves a gift for the bride. And this is exactly what Yeshua has done. He, is, he said, I'm giving you this gift of the Holy Spirit who's going to be with you. It's okay. I'm going to leave you guys. It's okay. But I'm going to go and I'm going to go prepare a home for you. I'm going to go. I'm going to prepare a house for you. But it's okay because I'm leaving my Holy Spirit will guide you and be with you. And when you have the Holy Spirit, you will be reminded of me because I am with him. I am me and the Holy Spirit. We are one. And so the, he gives us that gift. And Yeshua said, I have gone to prepare a home for you. In my father's house are many staying places. And if not, I would have told you. I'd go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I shall come again and receive you to myself to where I am you might be too and so in the ancient wedding the arrival of this of this uh, bridegroom was a surprise and this this bride would be she'd be wherever she'd be waiting for her bridegroom for her husband and she you know and 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 it was a surprise she would never know when he would be coming back and in the same way, the festival of trumpets points to this, where we not know the day or the hour, but we know the season, just like the bride knows the season when her husband's coming come back. She's going to know kind of, okay, he should be done by now, but she's going to know the day, or the, uh, the day or the hour. The same way, the festival of trumpets, we don't even know the day or the hour of the festival where the father says, I will come as a blowing of trumpets. And in the ancient wedding, when he arrived, when the husband arrived for his bride, his family and people around him would come with him and they would be, uh, it would be a blowing of trumpets. And when she heard the trumpet, she would get so excited. She would leave everything she's doing and she would go and meet her husband. She would go and she, would, she, would, she knew that everything is ready. The house is ready. Everything is done and ready and over. And now finally, after this whole process, she's finally ready to be with her husband. And so then the, the groom would pick her up and there would be a, a seven day f and he would carry her and there would be he, there would be a seven day, a seven day. You know, today we we think we can party. But way back then they had a seven day feast of, of a wedding. And this was and this wedding is, is in celebration, of, of course, of everything that's been happening. And after that, they would live happily ever after. And this is exactly pointing to the festival of Sukkot also known as the wedding supper of the lamb or the festival of tabernacles where we will be tabernacling with him and so exactly just as the in the ancient wedding we see that the father is going to come back he's going to go come as a, it's going to be as a blowing of trumpets and he's going to and his bride is going to be excited and we're going to come to him and we're going to have a festival of sukkot and the festival of sukkot is an actual festival also given in the word of god that he requires and desires and, and instructs us to celebrate also as a wedding rehearsal for the actual festival of Sukkot that is to come.
Because all these things that I've laid out here in this ancient wedding are real things that are going to happen, guys. These are actual events. And so the Father knows that if we just go passive and onward for our lives without pausing, we're going to not understand. We're not going to be ready. We're not going to prepare. And so He's given us these beautiful instructions as as a means of preparing, as a means of, of being reminded to repent, as a means of getting our garments ready, our custom at that wedding, preparing for that custom preparing to be spotless and it's beautiful things brothers and sisters it's not a burden it's a beautiful calling of God that 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 just prepares his bride and oh oh what a beautiful thing that he has left us with such a blessing to prepare us he's not left us with without instruction without guidance he's given us everything we need to know so that this day would not overtake us as a thief in the night as those who live in darkness but as children of the light this day we will be prepared for it because the master himself shall come down from heaven with a shout, with the voice of a chief messenger and with the trumpet of God, the dead of Messiah shall rise first. Then we living who are left over shall be caught away together with him in the clouds to meet the master in the air. And so we shall always be with the master. And so brothers and sisters, I encourage you, if you've never heard of this before, go and taste it before the Father. You know, we need to come out of the traditions and teachings of men that have been taught that, you know, a lot of stuff is abolished and not and not, not for us. But I, I want to I encourage you and tell you that, man, these things, the beauty of these things in itself testify of its purity and value and, and, and to our lives. It's not something that, that is going to burden us. It's not something that's going to... You know, um, take bring us further, take us further from God. You know, it's gonna bring us so much closer to Him, and I can testify of my life that since I've been starting to keep these instructions, keep these festivals of God, and in rehearsal of the actual dates, because they're not even fulfilled yet, guys. A lot of them aren't even fulfilled yet, and we need to look at that, look towards that. There's such uh, a value in it, such purity, such such blessing, and then please, I go to before the Father, as I said. And, and, and ask him whether what I have saying is true. Say, Lord, is what is what Pete is saying is it true, Lord? Is it true, God? You know, and he will guide you into all that is true. All right, guys, thank you for sticking through with me through his teaching. May he bless you and keep you. Father, I thank you for your glory, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your instructions. I thank you that you've not left us with a strange thing, but you have left, left us with a righteous, beautiful thing, as the psalmist says in Psalm 119, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have given us your son as the, and you've paid with your own life for us, Lord. You've paid for the, your bride with your life, Lord. You have made the payment and now you, you expect us to merely prepare, merely prepare, Father, for this wedding date. And so, Father, come, Lord. Come and prepare our hearts. Come and prepare us inside and out, Lord, in action and in speech and in Shema, Lord, and help us to listen and obey, Father, what you have, you're proclaiming over us, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your love and goodness. I pray all this now, Yeshua. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give your people a greater revelation of this thing, Lord. Father, awaken your bride, Lord. Awaken the house of Israel. Awaken your people. Father, awaken them to the truth of the front of your book as well, Lord. I pray all this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Have an amazing day, guys. And I'll see you in the next video.